0: Take a moment and pray together. Lord, you are our salvation. It's a word that means rescue. It means that disaster is about to fall, and we can't rescue ourselves. We need someone to rescue us. And um, you do that for us, even if we don't know that we need it. We thank you for that promise, and we ask that you would save us, rescue us through the Scriptures this morning. Rescue us from thinking that we are so wise that we don't need to be taught by you. Rescue us from thinking that everything we're about to hear applies to someone else but not to us because we've got it all together. Rescue us from thinking that somehow we have done something so wrong that we're so far removed from your love and grace that we could never find our way back. Rescue us. Be our salvation. Send the Spirit to teach us as we hear the word we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Holly referred earlier to our uh, spiritual life assessment survey. You'll be getting that. When we did this last year, we asked, hey, what parts of the Bible would you like to hear more teaching about? And one of the top answers was the book of Romans. So that's what we're doing. Um, and uh, today's one of those days when you you have to start at the end to understand the beginning. We're gonna look at a passage from Romans chapter 1. But to know why this even exists, why did why did Jesus call his apostle Paul? write these words, 16 chapters worth. Why do they exist? What what aim were they here for? You get that at the very end. So we're gonna start at the end to understand the beginning. Uh, In Romans chapter 15, uh, Paul says, now that there's no more place for me to work in these regions, so imagine me standing in Italy right now, and uh, this is a map of the Mediterranean. And Paul is writing to people who live in Italy, Rome. And he's saying, over here in the western Mediterranean basin, there's nothing more for me to do as an apostle. I have, I have started churches where this good news about Jesus can go out. Uh, everywhere in the eastern Mediterranean, all the way from Jerusalem around to the northern parts of Italy. So he says, "Now that there's now my job over here is done, and since I've been longing for many years to see you in Rome, I plan to do so when I go to Spain, all the way over there. I hope to visit you while passing through on my way to Spain, and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while." Uh, Jesus led his apostle Paul to write this letter to the church in Rome because people in Spain need to know about Jesus. Why does good news about Jesus need to go to Spain? Why isn't it okay that it just stays over here in Jerusalem or maybe in Syria or in what they would have called Asia Minor, what we call Turkey? Why does it need to go all the way over there? And the answer is, It needs to go everywhere on the earth because the whole human race has done something evil and harmful. Luke mentioned it earlier. We have sought love and life in wrong ways. And in doing so, we have damaged our own hearts and we have damaged other people. That leads to two responses from God, and as Emily comes in a minute and reads from Romans chapter 1, you're going to hear these two responses mentioned. You're going to hear the word wrath and the word righteousness. God's wrath, not uncontrollable rage for no good reason, that's what we often mean in English when we talk about wrath today, but God's right judgment against the damage we have done to ourselves and to each other by wrapping our hearts around things that weren't meant to give us life or love. God's response to that includes wrath. But we're going to hear good news that it also includes God making known his righteousness. Let me paraphrase that as saving justice. The gospel is a good news story about God sending his son to repair the damage. That's the justice part. The damage we've caused has to be repaired, and someone has to pay the cost to do that, and we can't. Saving justice means that God has sent his son to repair the damage we've done, and that includes perfect forgiveness for the people who caused the damage. It's saving justice. The damage gets repaired and the people who did the damage don't get destroyed. So when we hear Emily read the word righteousness, that's what we're talking about. In this good news story about Jesus, that saving justice from God, Is being made known everywhere in the whole world because all of us need Jesus to repair the damage that we have done. Welcome to Romans. We started at the end so we can understand the beginning. And now Emily's going to read from the beginning.
1: This morning's scripture lesson comes from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 25. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they never, glor- neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. The last uh, couple decades of his work life, my my dad worked for our home county back in South Carolina. He got a call one day from a county employee uh, from a uh, garbage drop-off and recycling station. Mr. Buddy, I think you better come down here and look at this. We found something interesting. What'd you find? We found several garbage bags full of money. Well, that's unusual. And Mr. Buddy, there's something weird about this money. What? It's blank on one side. Garbage bags full of $20 bills that looked perfect on one side and were blank on the other. Somewhere, a counterfeiting ring (laughs) uh, existed and decided that they needed to get rid of the evidence and uh, so they sacked it up in garbage bags and threw it in the dump. Um, Counterfeiter is always trying to get you to ascribe more than worth to something of less than value, right? This, this thing is worth less than it appears to be, but we want you to treat it like it's worth more than it actually is. And that, that tendency names the human heart. We, we are continually reversing those poles and giving less than value to the creator God who made us, who's the actual source of life and love in this universe. And then we have a tendency to replace him and give more than value to things that we hope will give us life and love, but really won't. We are are good at counterfeit glory, wrapping our hearts around things that are blank on one side that look like they promised life and love, but won't come through. That's the root problem of humanity. And uh, as the Apostle Paul is trying to get this church here in Italy, Rome, to help people over here in Spain and everywhere in between hear good news about Jesus... He's wanting them to understand what that good news is so that it can change and transform them because they're dealing with issues of hypocrisy and feelings of pride and superiority toward one another that are dividing the church here in Rome. And so he's going, you know, those people over there need to hear this good news, but so do you. Those people who don't know Jesus yet have this root problem of confusing what what really gives life and love with what promises it but is blank on one side. They have that issue, but you know what? You people following Jesus, you have the same issue. Can we just start back at the beginning and tell the story again? And the story starts with this root problem treating the creator God as less than and something he created as more than. Listen to the way that the Apostle Paul, sharing with us the mind of Jesus, describes this. He says in verse 9, hey, there are things about God that can be known plainly because God has made them plainly known. That's what verse 19 says. Verse 20 says, Since the creation of the world, there are certain qualities of God that have been evident in what God made. They're clearly seen. His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen. They can be understood from what has been made. So we see God's power and greatness. We see this capacity of of the, the universe didn't just spring in. To existence from nowhere, it didn't design or create itself. There's a Creator God who's the source of life, who loves the creatures He has made. We see His power and greatness, and then what we tend to do with that is to say, "Mm, "He's actually worth less than he appears to be. He's not really the source of life and love, but something He created is the real source of life." And love. And so we choose um, to honor a part of the created world as though it were the real source of life giving power and greatness. Verse 21. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 23. They, no, the they here is not some group of human beings. This is a description of the entire human race. This is not a Christian writer standing up on a high mountain and looking down on people who aren't as good as he is and say, well, you know them, they are like this. This is a messenger sent from Jesus. That's what the word apostle means. Speaking the mind of Jesus about the entire human race. This is all of us. What do we do? Exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. That's literal idolatry, right? Making a statue of an animal or a person and treating it as though it were a God. And you might think to yourself, well, that's not me. I don't do that. Well, hang on. We're, we're. None of us are going to get off the hook before the morning is over, I promise. Um, that's the root problem. We treat the creator God as less than and something he created as more than. And it leads to all kinds of terrible results. What are those results? Well, we just described one of them. In some times, places, cultures, sculptures of animals and people have been Worshipped as though they were gods and goddesses, sources of life um, and love. But not every culture, not every time and place does that. So what are some of the other things that we do? The Apostle Paul, revealing for us the mind of Jesus, describes sexual experience, as another less than reality that we treat as having more than capacity to give us life and love. Now, hang on a second. We're saying less than and more than. We're not saying zero, right? If someone makes a statue of an animal, we're not saying animals are of zero worth. Animals are amazing. They're created by God. They really do have life in them. They can't give life to us. Uh, They they weren't made to be objects of our worship, but we were made to care for them and to be amazed at how they were designed by their creator. So they're not zero, but they're not going to satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts if we worship them. Similarly with sexual experience. It's not zero. It's a good gift made by a God who loves people. It's a great gift. But it's not everything. And sexual experience. Verse 24 names that. Therefore God gave them over. And this is one of the forms that God's judgment takes throughout scripture. Is he gives people what they want. He doesn't force on us things that we hate gives us what we want. If you want to worship animals, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you experience where that leads. God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Um, a few verses later in the same chapter, he goes on to mention not just sexual experiences in general, but to talk about Uh, same-sex activity specifically. Verse 26 says, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones in the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Maybe I just lost you. Maybe you're sitting beside a child and you're going, Really, do we have to talk about this while the kids are in the room? Or maybe you're thinking, aha, this is the point when the Christian guy stands on the high mountain and looks down on everybody else and tells them how terrible they are. No, we're still unpacking that same universal human tendency to take something that is good but less than and treat it as though it were more than. To treat something that's not God as though it were a God. To treat something that was intended as part of the creation, given by the God who is the source of life and love, as though, as though that created thing itself is the real source Of life and love. Why would the Apostle Paul go straight to this kind of issue? Is it because he's sexually repressed? Is it because he's an immoral uh, bigot, intolerant? Is he prying into private things where religion doesn't belong? No, he is the messenger of Jesus. He is speaking the mind of Jesus to us. Start at the very beginning, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called by him to be an apostle. So why go here first? Well, sex is associated in very powerful ways with life and love, right? Children don't come, new life doesn't come into this world without a sexual relationship happening. So there are powerful connections between sex and life And you can feel powerfully alive when you're in the midst of a relationship where physical intimacy is a healthy part. Heck, you can even feel really alive when you're in a relationship that's not healthy that involves that kind of physical intimacy. Powerful associations of life and love with sexual activity and same-sex activity. It is not surprising that this is one of the created things that human beings are powerfully drawn to. Thinking that we would find life and love there. It is not an overstatement. When Jesus says to us through his messenger that we worship and serve all kinds of things that aren't God. Now, before we assume... That uh, somehow uh, scripture is saying, you know, there are only two wrong things in the world. One is worshiping statues of animals, and the other one is sexual sin. We got to keep reading. Um, Look at this list that we start to read of evidence. These are the results that happen when we exchange. Wrapping our hearts around the creator God for wrapping our hearts around some created thing. Seeking life and love from the God who made us versus seeking life and love in other ways. What, what I find interesting in looking at this list, let me, let's just read through it. They, again, universal they, every human being. I become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Greed. Hmm. I think I'll find life if I have more stuff, more money. What I really want is life. And the reason I wrap my heart around greed is because I want more life. And I think having more will give me the life that I'm longing for. The life that would come from the Creator will actually come from material things in the creation. Can I wrap my heart around that? Depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent. Insolent means insulting people in an especially arrogant way, belittling them, demeaning, putting them down, putting them in their place arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Oh, now we've gotten serious now. (laughs) They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. What's interesting here is there are a couple of showstoppers in this list. I mean things that seem like they really rise to the top of, of discussions of evil. Murder. Hating God. Whoa, okay, those are like headline evil, right? But look what else is in this list. Greed, hmm, gossip, really, is that that big a deal? I think I can find a little more love for myself by saying bad things about another person. What if I wrap my heart around gossip because I want love? What well, if I wrap my heart around gossip because I feel life when I'm inside an inner circle that knows a secret that nobody else knows? It's the same pattern of taking some something that our heart wasn't meant to be wrapped around and wrapping our heart around it instead of around the God who is the real source of life and love. So things that seem as... Innocent as gossip or insulting people, that word insolence. What's wrong with putting someone down? It's the same pattern, don't we see it? I want more love for me and less love for them. I think I will get more love by putting someone else down, especially if everybody else hears the insult. They're down, I'm up, I'm getting more love, right? I want more life and love. That's not wrong, it's not bad. It's wrong to wrap your heart around insulting other people as a way to get to life and love, rather than wrapping your heart around the God who made the world and who sent his son to redeem it. That's the pattern. And you notice that there's this kind of mixture of things that seem like headline evil and things that seem like not that big a deal. Disobeying parents. I mean, we're all guilty on that one, right? That's the point. Boasting, arrogance. Nobody is off the hook here. Why? Because Jesus in his mercy wants us to know that this is a a damaging tendency that we all have to wrap our hearts around something because we want life and love that's blank on one side. It looks like it'll pay off, but it's worthless in terms of giving us the life and love that we're actually craving. This is why sexual activity makes the list. This is why same-sex activity makes the list because it's that same pattern. I think I'll find love over here I think I'll find more life in this kind of relationship. And I won't need the creator God who created the world and who gave us all these good gifts. I won't need him for life and love because I'll find it this way instead. What is the ultimate goal of all of this? It's mercy. The ultimate goal is knowing saving justice. That's even how the Apostle Paul describes it. Right? He says in verse 18: the wrath of God is revealed, but he's but that comes after verse 17. <laughs> in the gospel, in this good news about Jesus a righteousness from God, this saving justice from God accomplished in the sending of His Son is revealed. It's not just wrath that's revealed. It's saving, merciful justice that heals the damage that we are doing. We are damaging our hearts every time we wrap them around something counterfeit. And we're damaging the hearts of other people. Not just the people we insult or slander or the people whose money we covet or the people we murder. We are harming other people every time we send them the signal that the only life and love to be had in this world is what we come up with on our own. We damage our own hearts, we damage the hearts of others and Jesus comes in the world to undo the damage. Along the way, he has to expose hypocrisy, right? So so that we will come to see our need of him. He has to show us that we have a tendency to read through a list like this and go, yeah, that's mm, only the headline things really do damage. And I'm not guilty of the headline evil, so I'm okay. The Jewish Christians in the Roman church we're tempted to think that way. The Christians who grew up without good Bible religious training, they Gentile Christians, they're still, they grew up practicing some of these headline evil wickedness things. And we're better than them because we're not like that. And so from the very beginning, the Apostle Paul is saying, no, we all need Jesus to undo the damage in us and the damage we have caused whether we have caused it by literally murdering someone or whether we have caused it simply by insulting them, we have sent the signal that life and love comes from the things that we do, from us getting our way. And we need Jesus to undo the damage. So there's no room for hypocrisy saying, you know what, some people are guilty of damaging others. And some of us are in us. are like, now read through the list. Find your name in there. It's in there somewhere. It may be in there everywhere. There's no room for hypocrisy. And there's no room for this kind of arrogant division that says, hey, you know what? Paul, I'm glad you're writing this letter to our church. Because there are some people in here who really, they're those people. And you really, I'm really waiting for you to put them in their place because they've got it wrong. One of the reasons that this good news is going to have a hard time getting to Spain, and Paul knows it, is because of that kind of division in the church in Rome. You're so busy fighting one another. You've lost sight of the fact that every human being needs to know the life and love that come through Jesus every human being is damaged through some combination of damaging ourselves and being damaged by others, and only Jesus can undo the damage in a way that doesn't destroy those who caused it. That's saving justice. That is mercy. That is the good news of the gospel. And there's no room for some of us saying, Those people are the bad ones, and we are the good ones. The purpose of all of this is to draw us all to Jesus as a source of life and love. And what if you were living in Rome going, but I already know that. Paul, you're writing me this letter like, but I've been a Christian for longer than you have. Remember, you were out there persecuting Christians. While I was over here worshiping Jesus. And Paul would say, yeah, but Jesus wants me to remind you. You need to look to him as a source of life and love every moment, every day. It's not something you did once a long time ago and you mastered it. So now you can forget about it every day you're going to be tempted toward this hypocrisy that says some people need Jesus to repair the damage they do because the damage they do is serious. And they need to be put in their place. And here's here's Jesus through his spokesman, his messenger, the Apostle Paul, saying, remember, you need me as much today as you needed me the first day you knew me. You haven't gotten any better. And you never will. We don't get better. We don't get so healthy that we can stop taking our gospel medicine. We don't get so strong that we can now provide life and love for ourselves and we don't need Jesus anymore. We don't get better enough that we can depend on him less. You know, right after the surgery, I had to use the crutches a lot, but I'm feeling better. I only use them to go upstairs now. No, spiritual life isn't like that. We don't get better in that way. We are always just one Jesus away from complete disaster. But Jesus has come into the world to repair the damage that we have done and the damage that has been done to us. And they bring complete forgiveness to those of us who caused the damage. That's good news. That's what the word gospel means. It's good news that we can say, Lord Jesus, I am not ashamed of this good news story. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I believe that it is God's powerful way of healing the damage that I've done. And Lord Jesus, I want my heart to be wrapped around you. Not around anything else. Will you help me to do that? That's the right response to this good news. recognize that all of us need it and that it is available to anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. Let's take a moment and give thanks for that. Lord Jesus, you have begun something good this morning. You have begun to open our hearts and to show us something of how good you are. You have begun to show us how easily we stumble into taking Things from this created world and, and treating them as worth more than they actually are. You've, you've shown us how easy it is for us to treat the God who is the source of life and love as though He's less than what He actually is. And you've shown us that you will love us anyway and that you will. Help us to unwrap our hearts from those damaging patterns and to wrap them around you in a new way. And that's the beginning of something good. And we pray that that good thing would continue the rest of this day, the rest of this week, the rest of our lives. Until every person in this room, even those who hate the idea, <laughs> would come to love you wholeheartedly, completely for the rest of our lives. Even those of us who think, I am so far into this, I don't need it anymore. I've mastered faith. That we would wrap our hearts back around you tighter than ever. Continue what you are beginning today, we pray in your name, amen.